podcast this week, we expose Randall Park's shortcomings and find her to be none because he is awesome and also the writer-director of the new film, Shortcomings. Plus, the usual news and nonsense on the movie podcast that doesn't know whether to be flattered or terrified by the news that one of our lovely loyal listeners has launched our very own Empire podcast subreddit. Probably terrified. Wait, what? Yes. Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt. Welcome to the Empire Podcast. This week we're in the studio and I'm joined by two colleagues of such lethal cunning. James Dyer is here, our great big fucking nerd who knew all about the Empire Podcast subreddit. Hello, James. Hello. I've even jumped on there. I know. I've seen this. Mm. This may be the only time I ever visit it because... Uh, I will almost certainly be called a twat at some well, point. Well, I've already done that. So. Retreat into a dark yeah. hole of despair for three or four days. That's why I went on there, because you said that I could go on there and call you a twat. I did say that. So. In fairness, I gave you permission. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're also joined by our geek queen, Helen O'Hara, who did not know about the Empire Podcast subreddit. I did not. There was a there was a sort of slightly confusing mention earlier. AMA, our... Helen, ask me anything about the subreddit. <laughs> no, but there was a, a slightly confusing message in our t- a chat earlier going, that subreddit isn't so bad. And I'm like, what? What subreddit? And no one answered me. And and now this is, I guess, the explanation. Yeah, this is it. Okay, so I don't think I want to know either. I, I, I'm terrified. I live in darkness. But also vaguely aroused. Is that wrong? That's what Reddit's for. This is what Reddit's for. I don't, I don't, I don't Reddit. I don't do Reddit. I lurk. I don't really post. I bet you're, you're I'm very much a Reddit lurker. You sound like a yeah. lurker. I'm on Reddit quite a lot, but, yeah. but mainly lurking, not really posting. I have a lot of people I love who send me Reddit links. I read those, and that's that's it. Yeah, because like, like Slash uh, Relationships is a What's funny that? one. Relationships with Slash, the guitarist <laughs> from Guns N' Indeed, Roses. yes, he gets around. Uh, and also Allegedly. the Am I the Arsehole Allegedly. subreddit Am I the is Arsehole, yeah, Am I the Arsehole is, is amazing. Even yeah. if those are invented, those are some extraordinary Is that a crossover stories. with Slash Relationships? Very much so. Uh, yeah. The it, one about the woman whose mother-in-law was trying to poison her was amazing. She thought her husband was trying to poison her, but it turned out it was her mother-in-law. Wow. And if somebody hasn't optioned that for a film, I really no. don't know what, what we're doing as a society. If you, Hollywood, if you're listening, the one to option is the one about the Iranian yogurt. If you've not looked for, just just Google, Iran, the Iranian yogurt is not the issue here, and you will get the thread. It's extraordinary. Someone has even done graphics and a title for it. It's possibly the greatest story of our time. Is this related to Jack Reacher in any way? No, he had, never, he had never eaten a yogurt. No. He had seen them, though. <laughs> Although my Reddit handle is Reacher Said Nothing. D- I, yes, I did see that. Yeah. I, see, I think I have a Reddit <laughs> account, but I don't know. We should do an AMA. We should do an Empire Podcast AMA. And when the five people who turn up at that are bored, Ooh, yeah. we, we just go. Yeah. yeah. So there's a, uh, so it's r slash forward slash Empire Podcast. It was set up by someone who shall remain nameless, they slid into my DNA chest. He said, look, I've done this thing. Could you give it a shout out? At the moment, it's got 119 members. We can get that up with this plug on the podcast. We can get that up to 130, 140, I'm sure. Also, before we get into this week's listener question, I hope you're both well. I'm not. Yeah, that's no, not. You're, you're, you're a bit you're under taking, the weather, aren't you? You're taking your you're lights in sick. your hands. Yeah, yeah. yeah but d- delighted is, to be here in a small enclosed room. With <laughs> you. Well, I've just been to the doctor and the doctor says that it's... <laughs> That is totally fine. Uh, <laughs> with with the application of um, just medicine, I should yes, apply the cream yeah. liberally. Yes, <laughs> and the rash will it hopefully rubs the lotion on his skin, <laughs> or else it gets the hose again. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, I'm not feeling too well. So if I die during this, James well, or Helen, you're not feeling well. all too well. Is that what you're saying, Chris? 
Is this a Taylor Not, Swift It is thing? a Taylor Swift reference, which of course is pertinent to something we will be discussing a little bit later on. when you walked in. Hey, shake it off, Helen. <laughs> it was, those were also... No, I, I get it, I get it. Yeah. Chris, is, Chris is hip, he's down with the kids. Am I... Is he? I'm not so sure. It's a placement. I spent the week rediscovering the flaming lips. Who? And is that why you went to the doctor? Yes. (laughs) All right. I was going to say something else, which is that we are doing another live show, folks. This is this is exciting. We're doing a live show, and just for you people who live outside London, who always or quite rightly uh, accuses of London bias. Uh, with our live shows and whatnot, uh, you will be delighted to know that this is not going to be in London. It is going to be in a place beginning with L, not Liverpool, not Llanelli, not Clandudno, not Loughborough. Why not? Not Leicester. It is going to be in the glorious town of Leeds, 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 Leeds. And we're going to go up there on November 9th, Thursday, November 9th. And we're going to be there as part of a Journalism and Media Week. That's what it's called. It's called Journalism and Media Week. But don't worry, the show is open to everybody, not just journalists, media types and journalists, uh, journalism and media students who are going to be part of the audience but uh, we have a number of tickets that are going on sale Uh, they may be on sale by the time you listen to this if not they're going to go on sale on Monday which is October the 16th thanks James and and they're going to be just £10 a ticket just £10 a ticket can't say fairer than that so um, I will now say this for the benefit of the people who live in Yorkshire hey get on phone (laughs) Oh, God. Walk God. down road. Down Ginnell. Down Mill. <laughs> pick up debit card. <laughs> get on <the> internet. <laughs> oh, God. Wow. I, it's just Bailey, amazing. Two tickets. It's great that you're giving them time to organise the, the protests. Know, the, yeah. The <laughs> yeah. And the mob to meet you off the train. That is yeah. fantastic. There we go. If you like the end of Quantum Leap, Dr. Chris Hewitt never returned home. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, oh, boy, indeed. Um, where where in Leeds are we going to be doing this event? Ah, James, that's a really good question. Isn't it? It's a very, very good question. We're going to be doing it in the town of Leeds. Yeah, yeah. city, actually, isn't it? It's a city. It's a Probably. city. It's a yeah. city. It yeah. feels it's like, like it is a city, feels like yes. it should be a city. It's got a big football team. Yes. And um, it's got, obviously, Headingley, probably a rugby ground. Are we doing the show at any of these places? No. Right. We're doing it somewhere else. Okay. Do I know where it is? No. Is it? But if you go to Yes. The website Okay. Do you know the, the address? No. Okay. <laughs> let, me just, let me just look it up. The thing about us at the Empire Podcast is we are nothing if not prepared and organised. Ah! We're doing it at Leeds Trinity. Yes. Where is that? Leeds Trinity University. I have been there. I did a talk there once. It's Leeds Trinity University Auditorium, under 18s, accompanied by an adult, says here. Oh, not uh, under 15s. I think our shows are okay, but don't bring kids. There are some swears, usually. There, there are usually some swears and um, some gratuitous, gratuitous nudity. <coughs> um, right. So you go to store.leedstrinity at ac.uk. That's catchy. Store. Dot leadstrinity.ac.uk. 
Uk. We will also tweet this out Maybe on the Empire account. We will, so, and our individual accounts. Yeah, so we will we will let you know where to find All us. All right, okay. Shall we get on with the show, please? God, please, yes. God. All right, okay. So last week we had a question. Which is As good. is our want. Yes. yes. We had a question, and it was a good question, and it elicited many chuckles. And the question was, can you name all the Bond films chronologically? Oh, yes. And yes, can right. you get the a song. bonus point yes. if you name the song? Yeah. Right, so... A number of people no. this week oh. wrote in no. asking oh. for us no. to name no. all the oh, come on. carry on what? movies and, in order. And, and no. who wrote the theme tunes? And who wrote the theme tunes? Well, actually, someone wrote in and said, Can you name the carry on films in order? No. And can you name the alternate titles no. given for each movie Absolutely in the credit not. sequences? Also no. no. What? But I thought, okay, so there's there's two questions. I'm going to give them to you and you sure. can choose which one you want to do, right? Mm-hmm. So we can either, because I know you're not going to be able to do that, but I thought it might be Definitely quite fun not. seeing how many carry-on films Just we can like do. how many in general? How many in general? Okay. We don't have to get them in order, but okay. how many in general we can do? We can, can do. probably do probably half, right? You think we could do half? I think, I think we, we can make it half. Maybe even a bit more. I think we do more than half. Okay. All right? All right. Four or... Another question, this came from someone whose name I cannot remember. It is, obviously we can name all the Marvel movies in order, all the MCU movies in order, but can you name all the Stan Lee cameos in those movies? So we could either (sighs) do that, or we could do the carry-ons. Let's try and just name carry-ons because it takes the order issue. Okay, should we, t- should, we, should we do it as like a, like a mallet smart thing? Each one of us just picks one until we all run out. Now, do you want me... Like part the parcel. ...to call up a list of no. carry-on movies? No, I want us to do, do all three of us organically. I'll start camping. <laughs> okay. Straight Stop to the, the camping. Kyber. I beg your pardon. Steady. <laughs> That's what leads to the flaming lips. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, let me see. Um, well... Should we explain what carry-on movies are, first of all? <laughs> do, do we need to? I think we do. I think we do, we have yeah. many international listeners. Okay. And, and also uh, listeners who might just have avoided them. And, and, and also younger people yeah. may not have been subjected to them every single weekend <laughs> on every single TV channel. Under, I'd say, 30. Who <laughs> yeah. may not know what the carry-on films are. So what, what are the carry-on films? Uh, your understanding, please, Helen. Um, they are a series of uh, British comedy movies uh, made from the, what, 50s to the sort mm-hmm. of 70s, roughly. Yep. Um, there was a, an outlier, but we're not going to mm. talk about that too much, I think. Well, we should mention it. We'll mention it, we'll of mention course. It. Carry on, Columbus. Oh. Um, hey. Bing. bing. Uh, but... They uh, they basically were united by more by an ensemble than any kind of traditional um, continuing storyline. So you would yes. get the same actors and actresses more or less. There was a sort of core ensemble who who you know came and went, but mostly yes. were there. Um, Featuring who, James, James, do you know who those people might be? Can you name some? Sir of the James, core Kenneth carrying? Williams. Yep. Those are the two, I would say, principles. But obviously, uh, Barbara Windsor was in a bunch of them. Barbara Windsor, um, Hattie Jakes, Hattie yes. Jakes. Yeah. I, I, I can't remember the names of anyone else. Okay. He's struggling hell spells. Uh, I was about to add Hattie Jake, so I okay. the rest. So then you have the likes of Charlie Hawtrey, you have Kenneth Connor, you have Jim Dale, you have Jim Dale, uh, yes. Jim Dale of course. You know, you have Bernard Breslau, you have the guy who goes, hey, hey, um, whose name I can't remember. You've got uh, Peter Butterworth, uh, you got lots of other people. Yes. Uh, many, 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 many wonderful, wonderful people. people. Now, I believe there yes. are 31 of these movies. Oh, I don't <laughs> okay. know, but okay, yeah. that's going to be a challenge then. But, um, but yes, so they, they started off being kind of fairly rooted in British life, I feel like, you know, with, with things like buses and doctors and nurses and stuff like that. Right. And as the time went on, the successes kept rolling in, the budgets got a bit bigger, then they started <laughs> tackling 
sort of historical and genre mm. stuff. So you've got Carry On Screaming, ding, ding. Um, which is a horror movie pastiche, and you've got Carry On Cleopatra, which was obviously a... Oh, just Carry On Cleo. Just Carry On Cleo, which mm. is a um, you know, Roman sword and sandal And actually, nonsense. because these things were famously, I mean, they weren't very expensive. Mm. Uh, they would reuse sets that were scattered around. And my understanding is that Carry On Cleo actually used sets that had been left by Cleopatra. <laughs> that's just why weren't they all looks... in Italy no apparently there were some in, in England oh yes so. that's right they did yeah. do some shooting in England because yeah. of her back um, her wow. being Elizabeth Elizabeth Taylor in that yes. case yeah yes I was <laughs> Elizabeth Windsor that would be completely different <laughs> Cleopatra definitely very different um, but yeah so they 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 have a certain charm and they are a very talented group of comic actors um, by the standards of today they're perhaps a little shall we say old fashioned well, they, well, they had a bawdiness to them, didn't they? Were, they? they were not PC. No. They trafficked in innuendo, which yes. we do not do on the Empire podcast. Crucially, they, they, they pushed it out, pushed the boat out steady. They pushed the boat out I mean, about as far yeah. as you could, given the restrictions at the time, I would say. Yes. I mean, if they were making them now, it would be... I mean, I hate to think what it would be, but... Uh, well, they've been trying to make one for a long, long time. I've lost count mm. of the number of times that Carry On London has been announced, usually with Shane Ritchie attached, like a limpet that you cannot just fucking shake off. <laughs> um, but it's been announced a lot. So they, they think the last one was towards the end of the 70s. And they became... The last proper one. The last proper one. So we're not counting Columbus. Is no, we are saying. counting Columbus. And then it was a big gap. And then it came back in, what, 19... I want to say 1992, thereabouts. And it had, like, the cream of the crop of British comedy all queuing up to be in Carry On Columbus, which is quite frankly one of the worst films ever made it's not um, good it's not good and that kind of killed the franchise dead and they've been trying to revive it for a long mm. long long time but um, they they haven't been able to do it um, but yes yeah, there is there are it, the, the quality is variable mm -hmm. but there are some absolute belters in there and uh, alright so let's, let's let's give it a proper start you said I'll write these down I don't remember what I said originally. Um, I think, did I say... Said up the, I said up, up, the, up Kyber, the Kyber. And up the Kyber. he had said... Um, camping. Camping. Camping up the Kyber. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I also right. mentioned, because I cheated a bit, Columbus. Yes. Cleo. Yes. Uh, what and else screaming. did I mention? Screaming. Screaming. Which is, uh, which is the horror. Opinion, the best one. I, I go back and forth between that and Kyber and Cleopatra, both of which I Kyber also is very, very much good. like. Yeah. Uh, Carry On Cleo, of course, has the uh, cracking Kenneth Williams line, Infamy, Infamy. infamy they've, they've all got, got it, Infamy. infamy. <laughs> which is Amazing line. Very, very good. Um, uh, Jimbo, your turn. Kyber has that great dinner party scene, oh, which is great dinner party very scene. good. And uh, is that the one with Roy Castle? Yeah. Roy Castle's in that one as well. Dick. Roy Should we explain who Roy Castle is now? I don't <laughs> think we need to explain who we don't Roy Castle is. Uh, Norris McWhorter was not available. Dick. Do you know who um, judges the uh, porn version of the Guinness Book of World Records? Norris McSquirter. Is this your joke that you've just made up? No. I've had, I've had that in my back pocket for some time. I bet you have. Next Boy. to the flaming lips. Um, all right, Jim, but what were you saying? Dick. Dick. Carry on, Dick. That's right. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were just on the subreddit. That's it. <laughs> hey, look what I found. Uh, no, yes, Carry on, Dick. Carry on, Dick, which is yes. about Dick Turpin. Yes. All right. Hell's Bells. Stand and deliver. Uh, the dick. Wasn't there a Carry On Doctor? There was a Carry On Doctor. Wasn't there Carry On Again Doctor? Correct. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Can't get enough of that. Cooking with gas now. Just because yeah. Kenneth Williams became Air Matron. Air Matron. <laughs> do you want to? Uh, do you want to continue this this medical? Well, thing? as as Kenneth Williams. Yes. <laughs> do you want to uh, nurse medicine? is that one? Carry On uh, Nursing yes. or is it Nurse or no. Nursing? Nurse. 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 Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. 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 Good. Yeah. All right. Hell's bells. We're back to you. 
Is there there's something about buses? I feel like there is a bus one, isn't there? I don't know. Is there a bus one? Maybe not. Are you thinking of on the buses? Which May, is I might a... be thinking of on the buses, but I feel like there might be a bus one as well. Um, might be. But however, might be. however, there is one about Henry VIII, and I've just been trying to remember his name. Is it literally Carry On Henry? No. <sighs> Carry On Tudor? Carry On Beheading? In the ballpark. Actually, Carry On be. Is there a Carry On Henry? I don't think there's a Carry On Henry. I think the one I'm thinking of is about Henry VIII. The star Sid James is Henry yes, VIII. Yes, it does. And it's actually got one of the most elaborate titles and they carry on Ugh. oh no carry on yeah sorry I've got none carry on don't lose your head carry on don't lose which is a terrible title well, it's, not the, they've got it's the, like Strictly Come Dancing which took two titles that made sense yeah. and put them together yeah, it's like so Strictly they make Ballroom no or Come Dancing you can't Strictly Come it doesn't make any sense at all <laughs> this is why everybody yeah. calls it Strictly like, wasn't anyway. there another one wasn't there, wasn't there a, like Follow That Camel carry on Follow That Camel there was starring oh. again, which doesn't make any sense. A camel, presumably, and they followed it. Phil Silvers was he the camel? Oh, uh, yes, he was. One hump or two? We <laughs> gave him the hump. Um, I don't know. You made the same joke. Um, <laughs> carry on, follow the camel. All right, uh, we're up to one, two, three, In fact, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. We're doing well. Did we do? Because obviously we did the ear matron thing, but did we do carry on matron? Carry on matron. Carry on matron. Carry on matron. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm going to write that down and see if that's right. Carry on, matron. It sounds right. It sounds I think right. it's right. In- yeah. Instinctively, it feels right. I used yeah. to know this shit, but now I, yeah, some of it's... It's been a very long time. A very, and they're is not on an, TV the way they used to be. Is there an army of, one? I feel like there must be an army one, like carry on private or carry on... Well, that's interesting, Helen, because the very first one, starring Bob Monkhouse and mm-hmm. William Hartnell, is... Carry on up the Up army? the private? Carry on up, up the carry privates. On, carry on up, carry on carry up the, on the privates. privates. Yes. Carry... <laughs> <laughs> carry on saluting don't lose your helmet carry on you you're, you're started off with private so let's go up sergeant yes carry Yay! on sergeant oh, carry on sergeant uh, okay that's a good one which one is the one that has the I tried it once but didn't like it gag in it I don't know no do you remember this one no when Sid James is going to you know do a drink I tried it once but didn't like it you smell, I tried it once but didn't like it any kids don't tell me only one <laughs> It's <laughs> a good joke. It's a good, good joke. joke. It's a good joke. Did jokes. you say carry on camping? Very like the very first one because that's the one where Barbara Windsor's bra flies. It off. is. It f- literally flies off. Yeah. I don't think that's how bras work, but I sure. Think with a boing. boing. Yeah. Boing. Yeah. Because it simply could not contain what was within. That's right. <laughs> yes. True. Babs unleashed. Babs unleashed. Um, yes, indeed. That that uh, Elka Summer is in that one as well. If I'm right yeah. in thinking. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I know what you did last summer. Uh, so, oh. who's next? Hell's Bells come up, Sergeant Jimbo? Oh, Jimbo? I think I'm... Don't tell uh, me you're exhausted right. already. Depleted. Emmanuel, which is not good. Yes. <gasps> oh, yeah. I had successfully forgotten that yeah. one. Existed. Which was the last one before Columbus. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Understandably yeah. so, because like you can have innuendo and bawdiness, but like when you're just parodying porn, I'm not sure that that really works. Yeah, that was very tawdry. Uh, it's, they, they don't like to talk about it. I'm really stuck now. Uh... Oh. Um, this is good audio content, <laughs> isn't it? Did was, we do cabbie? Was there a carry on cabbie? Caesar as well cabbie. as a? There was a cabbie. Oh, the cabbie. There was cabbie. There was, was there Caesar? No, no. Caesar that's what I was asking. In He's in Cleo. Uh, I mean, not. I well, I mean, also. Tradi- I mean, canonically. <laughs> I mean, historically. <laughs> Don't forget the subreddit. Am I the asshole? <laughs> what? Am oh, I no. the asshole? 
Asp. Asp. Oh, asp. I thought you said ass. I killed myself with an asp because it's a symbol of the royal house of my family. Am I the Am I the asshole? Which is not to be confused with Michael Aspel. I'm no, very he wasn't confused. No, he didn't have an ass pole. This is good. It is. Audio <laughs> Isn't it great? Have we? Have we? I don't know. I, I can't think of any others. I'm, I know there are more, but I cannot think of them. All right, you've done lamentably. <sighs> yeah. Lamentably. Well. Ooh, ooh. No, don't look it up. Don't you fucking Google it, <laughs> Mister Googler, Captain Googlers. No, you can't. Well, say it. Go on then. England. On, then. For yes. England, James. For England. There was a carry on England. Okay. All right. Shall we have the official? Here we go. The official uh, list of carry on movies is Carry On Sergeant 1958, was followed very swiftly by Carry On Nurse. Then you didn't think remotely hard enough about professions. Oh, uh, yeah. Carry On Teacher. Yeah. Carry On oh, Constable. Boy. Carry On Regardless. Don't know what that was. I don't know what that one is <laughs> myself. It um, re- revolves around. A job agency called Helping Hands, run by Sid James's character Bert Handy, <laughs> who presumably has a drinking problem and loves a handy shandy. Uh, carry on cruising. Oh, carry on cabby. Carry on Jack. I mean, what is that Jack the Ripper? Is that Jack no? The so this was a pirate one, I think. Okay, that's that would be yeah. Carry on spying. A uh, carry on sure, Cleo. Those three. All came out in the same year. If you thought they were shitting them out, if you think Marvel are shitting them out, at least they have different directors and the writers. Carry on, movies. cinematic universe was strong. Oh I'm my god! They have different directors and writers sometimes on the same film. Oh, <laughs> carry on, carry on, cowboy. We'll get onto that. Carry on, cowboy. Uh, carry on, screaming. 1966. Carry on, don't lose your head. 1967. Carry on, follow that camel. You missed and out, doctor. Carry on, doctor. All in the same mm. year as well. 1967, 1968. They <laughs> they they took the year off and made just one film, Carry On Up the Kyber. 69. Oh, well, what a film. Nice. Uh, saw Carry On Camping and Carry On Again, Doctor. Uh, 1970, saw Carry On Up the Jungle and Carry On Loving. Then Carry On Henry, correct, Helen? Mm. You are absolutely right. Sir James is Henry VIII. Yes, indeed. So what's Carry On? Don't lose your head. Oh, and who cares? Uh, carry On At Your Convenience. This is good audio at content. At Your Convenience. Carry On carry Round the Bend is the alternate title for that. Carry On ever, At Your Convenience. Have you ever felt like this? <laughs> Carry on at your convenience. Uh, stars uh, Kenneth Williams. Um, it's about a toilet company, and Sid James, who usually played a character called Sid, plays Sid Plummer. Good, right? Good toilet guy. <laughs> Kenneth Williams plays a character called W. C. Boggs. <laughs> this is seventies. It was a different time. Carry on, matron. Carry on abroad. Carry on, girls. Whoa. Followed swiftly by Carry On Dick. But it was. Then Carry On Behind. Steady. That's quite That's quite the uh, the triple threat. Carry, carry On Girls, Carry On Dick, and Carry On Behind. Then it was followed by Carry On Flaming Lips in 1976. <laughs> oh, no. um, carry, on, uh, carry On England. Then a film simply called Let's Carry On. That feels like an anthology film, it doesn't feels it? Like it that's be, a, yeah. The that's very a best package. of Carry On. Yeah. And then Carry On Emmanuel. Which destroyed the entire saga. It did. Uh, although it was teetering on the brink. Yeah, it was, must have it been was begging wobbling. for death at that point yeah. anyway. It was Carry On, Kill Me, Kill Me, <laughs> Kill Me. Carry On, Kill Me. <laughs> uh, 1992, Carry On Columbus. Yeah. And then we have been bereft. We have been Carry Columbus, On Columbus, though, obviously had like Rick Mail in it, didn't it? it? Did. Like had different yeah. people. Who did it have? Bernard Cribbins, Maureen Lippman, Julian yep. Clary, Alexis yep. Sale. That was a bit of a... a it bit was of a, a who's who. It was, yeah. Mm. Of the British... Uh, and then when we saw it, it was a wise why. Uh, yeah. Absolutely a lamentable How, film. how? A lamentable film. Anyway, um, check them out. Check some of them out. 
Check some don't, of them. Don't, don't, don't they have them. Aged well. Check some of them. Out. Check out Carry On Screaming in particular. Yes. Frying tonight. It's a good film. Is it though? And Bob Monkhouse is in the first one. You can't argue with that. Bob Monkhouse. Funny guy. Funny guy. I like him. That's why I'm going to kill him last. Okay. All right. All right. If you want to have your question read out in the Empire podcast, um, God give help it a, you. Maybe give it a week because we'll <laughs> probably do the MCU next week, right? Oh, what? Yeah. Come on. You could do it. It's only 32 films. Mm-hmm. 33? 33. I thought we were doing Stanley cameos. It will do Stanley yeah. cameos, but no Googling, no researching. You got to go in pure, like the driven snow. Mm-hmm. All right. If you want to have your question read out, on the Emperor Podcast. I'm on Twitter until I'm not. So, at Chris Hewitt is the name. You can slide into my DMs. You can wait for a panicked shout-out every now and again, or you can reply to any of my tweets once you've stopped laughing, of course. Time to kick off the movie news section. And we're going to start, usually we leave obituaries until the end, but we're going to start this week with the very, very sad news that we lost the great English director, Terence Davies, who passed away this week after a short illness at the age of just 77. And just a year or so after his last movie came out as well. Yeah, Benediction, mm. um, which was a, a beautiful story about uh, Sigrid Sassoon. And yeah, he, he was, you know, generally considered one of the very best that the country has produced in the last, what, 30, 40 years? Um, particularly known for Distant Voices Still Lives, The Long Day Closes, um, The Deep Blue Sea, which is an extraordinary film, uh, probably my favourite of these, uh, The House of Mirth, a Neon Bible, mm-hmm. A Quiet Passion, you name it. Um, not the most prolific filmmaker in the world, not because he didn't have the ideas ready to go, but because he generally didn't have the money uh, ready to go uh, to, to produce them. He always had to kind of struggle to convince financiers to get behind him. Um but just a beautiful, very human-level filmmaker. And a Liverpudlian, Chris. Yes, yes, indeed. And Liverpool was very, very close to his heart and very, very close to um, some of his, you know, his best movies as well. Um, and he was, I think it's fair to say, a, a bit of a poet on the big screen. I never had the chance to interview him, mm-hmm. uh, but I think we, we spoke to him for, for Benediction. Uh, for the magazine last year, Ian Freer spoke to him and said he was, it was a fascinating interview because he was, you know, by turns really insightful about his career, but also a little bit sad about the movies that hadn't got made or the opportunities that maybe had passed him yeah. by. But uh, but yeah, I believe he was still full of film and figure and hoping to get many, many more movies made. And it's very, very sad indeed. Distant Voices Still Lives, I would say, is his best movie. Uh, so yeah. yeah, go and check it out if you if you fancy that. You could do a lot worse than sitting and watching uh, a couple of his greatest his greatest hits, so to speak. But it's very, very, very sad news indeed. And a huge loss for the British film industry. Terence Davies, who passed away this week at the age of just 77. And while we're talking about movie news as well, um, there hasn't been a lot yet because, well, there's some stuff's been announced, which is good. Some projects mm-hmm. are beginning to get off the ground now that the writer's strike is over. However, the SAG after strike is still very much on and there were talks yesterday between SAG-AFTRA and um, and uh, sadly those talks did not pave the way for the climax sorry I'm in full carry on mode uh, that we all sought and so the actors are still on strike you'd think this would be easy just give them what they want but no pay their wages you motherfuckers you absolute motherfuckers sorry carry on you absolute motherfuckers. <laughs> uh, yes. So carry on striking. Carry on the new striking. One. Yeah. They're not doing it. No sign of resolution. 
yet, which surprises me because it's been about two weeks now since the writer's strike was mm. over. And I thought that the the actors would follow very, very swiftly. Mm. Not Taylor Swiftly, but just swiftly. Mm. I mean, also Taylor Swiftly. Right? Yeah. She's probably the leader everyone needs right now. They are depriving us, they're depriving James principally of movies starring Taylor Swift. That's true. She that could once true. again be playing a cat. Well, she's writing and directing her own film, which presumably is now on hold because she's doing everything else in the world, but also because, you know, strikes. So all I'm saying is, you're making a powerful enemy of James Dyer. It's true. Mm-hmm. This man will lobby you. He will lobby you intensively. You think Andy Dufresne and Shawshank is, is bad when it comes to <laughs> lobbying? From now on, he's going to write three letters a week. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, give me my Taylor Swift. That's what he's going to say. We also had um trailer for The Iron Claw, which sounds like... Is it a sequel like, to The Iron Giant? You would think, or or like a sequel to that very bad uh, Jackie Chan, Arnold Schwarzenegger crossover movie. Um, but it's not. It's a very thoughtful indie drama about a family. It's kind of... I don't know how much to tell you about the real life story of the Von Erich brothers, but you, you can find out... Oh, Kerry Von Erich, the Texas Tornado. Uh, yeah. No, it genuinely no, is. Genuinely, it yes. genuinely is. And and his brothers, Dave and Mike. Yes. Who and all, Dozy, Biggie, Big and Vintage. Who all wrestle together under the auspices of their yeah. dad, Fritz. I was, a, I was a big fan of the Texas Tornado back in the day. Yeah. He teamed up with the Ultimate Warrior at Survivor Series in the 80s. Or it might have been the early 90s. I forget. Sure. Look, don't let James put you off, okay? This is. I'm just glad that James is uh, engaged in something on the podcast. This is good. This is so rare. Welcome to the podcast. It's, hi. James Dyer. Yeah. How it's Taylor you? Swift and wrestling. I mean, I'm, this, I'm here for this. And if you could put those two together. <laughs> oh, wow. Steady. Steady yeah. now. Okay, so this is directed by Sean Durkin of Martha Marcy May Marlene fame. I just like that. Well done that you were able to say know, that right? so quickly and fluently. <laughs> did you get it right? She did. I did. Martha Marcy May Marlene. It was very good. Anyway, it stars Zac Efron, Jeremy Allen White, yeah. Harris Dickinson, um, as three of the brothers. Lily James is, I think, uh, Efron's character's love interest. So he's he's Kevin. Yes. And she's his love interest. And Fritz is played by Holt McCallany. And it's an A24 production, and it looks fan-freaking-tastic. Again, if you want to know why this is an exciting and an interesting story beyond nerds like James who mm. are really into wrestling, then you can go to Wikipedia and it is all very much there. If you but don't, don't want to know, it don't, ruin it. <laughs> don't well, ask yeah. about it. I would but actually say don't see the trailer because it'll ruin it. There's a bit spoiler. of a giveaway in the trailer, but not the full story of right. the film. Um, okay. so, can either of you tell me what the Texas Tornado's signature move was? Was it the Iron Claw, James, the name was of the film? Was it being followed by Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt? It, it, it was the Iron Claw. Yeah, it's All literally right. called the Iron Claw. Like, that was very much what <laughs> I Although when he first did it, it, they just called it the Claw Hold. I don't think it called it. Okay. I think the Iron Claw thing came later on. He also used to do this sort of this roundhouse punch, which made him look a bit like a tornado. I see. Hence the name. Yeah. So that's out in the States the on the 22nd of December. Okay. No word on the UK release that I know of, but I'm it'll sure be, be here pretty soon yeah, after. Around the same time. Looks good. Looks good. I regret watching it. The trailer. Well, I'm, honestly, it doesn't give away the whole story, as I sure? understand it. Yeah, I'm pretty okay. sure. So um, the other thing I would say is there was other A24 news this yes. week, which was perhaps less... Heartening. Now, this is a—is uh, this a rumor? Or is this actual story? That's a good question. I saw it reported as a thing that is happening, but okay. maybe it's not sort of finalized yet. Okay. Um, but this was the story that A twenty four is looking for essentially VC funding kind of thing to get bigger, for one, stronger, to get make, fitter, <laughs> happier, more productive. 
to make bigger movies and to make more commercial IP-based films. Yes. So they they want to apparently... They want to IP freely. <laughs> they want to IP freely. Um, Rumour is they're chasing the rights to the Halloween franchise, for example. Um, how fast can rights to the Halloween franchise run? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you never see Michael Myers running. You don't. But he does get around You do see him swiftly. dancing in the nude an awful lot, the way that's Mike Myers. <laughs> I'm always getting those two mixed up. Now, we should say, of course, for, again... We're assuming a lot of knowledge. We assume that people know what A24 is. A24 is a an independent company in the States that makes loads of really, really cool movies. Some of which, now and again, do well at the box office, but more often than not, they do okay yeah. at the box office. But they do well in award season. Yeah. Like... Well, Everything Everywhere All at Once is, Boom. of course, the big, big, big success story. Biggie, biggie, biggie. But they did lose money on the, the likes of The Green Knight Uh-oh. and Bo is Afraid, which were fascinating films that I think we as film fans are really glad were made. But lesbians yes. were never probably going to be big, big hits. Um, Dream no. Scenario is their next one. That's the Nicolas Cage appearing in everybody's dreams film. Um, so yeah, this is, I think everybody's gotten a bit worried about this so apparently they are close to a 225 million equity investment to fund all of this um but it does seem to come with this idea that they will expand into um existing ip existing properties the they will join the endless remake requel sequel yes reboot train at least part of the time and maybe there's something to be said for that maybe there's something to be said for a one for them one for us kind of a model well there's something to be said for not going out of business there is <laughs> absolutely but at the same time it's it's worrying if that's the only way to make money in Hollywood now or it's in weird filmmaking. that they're coming off their biggest hit but then again mm. how much of that money actually gets back to them were there other studio partners were there other financiers who didn't get their cut as well of everything everywhere all at once but just to throw you on some A24 uh, titles um, Ex Machina Moonlight Hereditary Lady Bird The Witch Uncut Gems The Lighthouse Midsummer, Green Room Everything Everywhere All at Once Under the Skin Room The Farewell Spring Breakers Meanery It Comes at Night The Lobster The Florida Project Good Time Eighth Grade Enemy First Reformed The Spectacular Now and Swiss Army Man are just the ones that I just saw there right now and you, you know great great films a lot of them but, you know, they didn't exactly set the box office alight in many, many cases. So I think this is actually, this could be a good thing because mm. it could allow A24 to carry on, as you say, do the one for them, one for me kind of thing. Um, I presume A24 is like Kevin Feige, a giant sentient computer that, that uh, green lights all this stuff. I believe so, yes. And uh, so Mr. or Mrs. A24 uh, will be able to go, all right, I like that one. That's got a Paul Dano in it. So therefore, that is something that's going to cost me $5 million. This one over here has got a Sac Efron in it, so that's going to cost me $15 million, but it's going to make me a lot more money because it's got a Sac Efron in it. Okay. Algorithm. Can't argue with it. <laughs> Should we talk about something else that's been rumored this week? Well. Sure. Are we going to talk about the daredevil-shaped yes. thing in the room? Is that mm, what we're talking about? Exactly okay, yeah, so yeah. fine. So Daredevil, born again, is going back to the drawing board. They are retooling it. My understanding is that the, it, this had been conceived as a kind of, almost like a legal procedural, and that he didn't appear in his costume until like the fourth episode. And by all accounts, it was not working. So it's going back to the drawing board, I think, completely. I, I think they're still going to keep bits of it, but they're going to... 
I think, rethink what this show is. But more importantly, <laughs> this is, indeed. Uh, what more importantly, this is kind of apparently called into question how Marvel creates shows as a whole. I mean, as we know, they've kind of eschewed the traditional model of having showrunners and having you know creative boots on the ground doing things. Um, you know, which I think we can agree that She-Hulk kind of benefited from. But uh, the idea that they'll just like shoot everything and then fix it in post, which seems to have been their mm-hmm. tactic here, and has worked... Sometimes. More often than not on the big screen, not always. But I, I feel like certainly in a TV format with the greater running time and the multiple episodes, I think having that... And the smaller budgets and, and the, the smaller more pressurized budgets, timeline. Yeah it, yeah, it isn't always working. And so. also, quite frankly, adapting to a TV format because they went also in initially, that. I think, with the exception of a couple of shows, WandaVision. And listen, this is not to say, I think a, a lot of their, a lot of the MCU TV shows are really good. Mm-hmm. I think there's only been two not great ones. Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Secret Invasion, which is by some considerable distance the worst yeah. thing. Yeah. But not Marvel the series. least watched of all of them, which is Ms. Marvel, which has surprised me. Well, that's because of the racism. That's because of the racism and the, and the sexism. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, this this was, I mean, look, I think the, the, thing, the thinking behind this piece, this was a Hollywood reporter, quite deeply reported piece yeah. by the looks of it. And I think the, the thinking behind it is is more that this is them getting on top of the issues rather than yes. actually, you know, digging down and doubling down on these problems. So hopefully this Go will... Back down. I, I do Double feel like the, the bad reviews for a secret invasion from us, among others, <laughs> probably did shake them up a bit because, um, yeah. you know, that, that show, we kept seeing loads of potential in it. We You know, we have this incredible cast. You have a pretty solid idea for for the show. You had some really good concepts behind it and then it just did not come together at any point and it didn't have any flow to it and it didn't have any... Uh, coherence, really, and mm. um, and I think that's what became apparent as the weeks went on. Because I think you know we always it's always Christmas Eve. We always go in thinking, oh well, they can still they can still bring this together. They can still make next week if next week is good. This this could really work. And it's sometimes only when you've seen the whole show that you realize, oh no, it really didn't come together. But that's the point. That's us as consumers. That's not them making the show. Mm. Them making the show. They're supposed to have a plan when they go into, and it. they often don't. And I think, and that's what's weird about this. And I think this is what hopefully they're. Correcting now. The ones that have worked best are obviously the ones that have been WandaVision, which was kind of yeah. precision tooled, Loki, which was well put together. She Hulk's slightly different because it actually did have a you know, a creative voice behind it. But but Just so many of them Yeah. So so many of these. Even like things like Moon Knight, even Ms. Marvel do feel like what were they doing with this? Because they, they both of those shows kind of go get lost towards the end, right? They don't know where they're going. They start, so strong. So they start really strongly and then just completely lose direction because presumably they didn't have the material to achieve what it is they wanted to achieve well, and it just kind of peters out. But. The Hollywood Reporter piece was was very, uh, as Helen said, very well researched and, and you know it, it, it made a lot of a number of claims. And one of the claims it made was that Secret Invasion, for example, as we had suspected, if you go back and listen to our supporter specials, if you are a supporter special subscriber, you can go back and listen to listen to the abject horror that unfolds every week. Um, but we said pretty much in every single episode that we feel that some major, major surgery has gone on mm-hmm. here. And that Kyle Bradstreet, who was... Uh, who was a showrunner, but but Marvel at that time subscribed to the pre-strike yeah. letter of the law, if you will, and they almost tried to get around the idea of having showrunners by having head writers on their shows, and then they would have lead directors as well. And sometimes, like on a WandaVision, where you have a, a Matt Shackman who works brilliantly hand-in-hand with the, the head writer, Jack Schaefer, you know, they had a very, very, what yeah. seemed to be a very, very good relationship 
Um, Loki did well as well, and it had a head writer in uh, Michael Waldron and a lead director in Kate, Kate Heron. Yeah. And sometimes that really, really works. And then sometimes you get a sense that uh, that maybe the head writer hasn't necessarily, how should we say, made it to the finishing line yeah. and that there's a too many cooks spoiling the broth mm-hmm. situation going on with some of the shows. And you felt that with Moon Knight. Yeah, so yeah. Jeremy Slater, who was the head writer in that show, wasn't available for interviews afterwards, which usually sets a few alarm bells ringing, to be honest. But the Hollywood Reporter says that Jeremy Slater left the show. So, uh, And the same thing happened with Secret Invasion. We started off with Kyle Bradstreet as the head writer slash creator. And then halfway through, Brian Tucker comes mm-hmm. on. And you know we've heard all the rumors about how they reshot huge loads of it at, at great expense. But the thing about this, that, that like it feels like a moment of awareness that they've come to this realization. But when you watch She-Hulk, you kind of, that show made you think, oh, they know. They know what the problem is because that show dramatized the issues that these shows have been having. Yeah. And then they went on to make Secret Invasion, which was worse, uh, a worse offender uh, than but, all of these I mean, things. it was already in training. But, yes. but equally, like they did release it as it was. Yeah. Problem with Secret Invasion was they've we already put $100 million dollars into it <laughs> yeah. and then another $100 million, presumably, for the reshoots. And they're not going to scrap that completely, so they have to make the best of it. But their approach to TV was very much to go, we have a formula, we have a system, and we're going to apply it to TV. And yes, it's TV, but we're not going to treat it like TV, we're going to treat it like movies. And that works for a large part, but then sometimes it doesn't. And what what it means is that they, they will have executives on these and head writers on these and, and lead directors on these who are not necessarily used to telling episodic stories. And then it begins to crumble. It begins to fall apart a little bit. And again, going back to Ms. Marvel, again, a show we really, really enjoyed. But towards the end of that show, we were like, was that episode meant to finish in that way? Because <laughs> yes. it felt like it just ends. Yes. I wonder how much of this, and some of this retooling, look, I think it's all a good thing. And I think you need to, rec- fair play to them for recognizing that something's not working and doing something about it, because that's what you need to do. And a lot of places don't. Um, I also think this may be partly a response to the writer's strike and to the unionization of their VFX workers. But I think they, you know, you cannot do this kind of brinksmanship with writers yeah now and you cannot do it with with VFX teams either and I think the writers union demand the WGA demands is probably a really good thing that is actually going to save them a whole lot of money in the long run if they have to have proper showrunners they have to have a proper writing team Mm -hmm. they have to put that effort in early on before you've started spending hundreds of millions on sets and VFX and costumes and all the rest Ultimately, that will save you money. There's still you can still build in a bit of room in the schedule to to sharpen things and to plus things, but you can't leave everything till that last minute. But it it, it feels interesting, doesn't it? Because this this Hollywood Reporter piece goes, you know, it was when they started looking at footage of Born Again that they they thought it wasn't working. And Feige and his team thought it wasn't working. But the thing about Born Again, which which kind of is nibbling away at me a little bit is that apparently they looked at it and they went, hang on a second, he's not in his costume until episode four. And it's like, well, hang on, wouldn't that have been apparent in the scripting and <laughs> yeah. pitching stage? Yeah. Personally, I don't mind that. No, I don't, I don't mind it either. Bear in mind, like in the original Netflix series, bear in mind, he wasn't in his costume at, really at all in the first season. Mm. And rightly so, because so, it's a terrible costume. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's even worse now. Um, oh, I don't know, that black mask in the first scene, the sort of, um, you know, like, Wesley from The Princess Bride. Yeah, yeah. You know. But the actual Slash costume, Zora. the actual costume, yeah, yeah, yeah it was yeah, quite light. Good. Yeah. Uh, look, look, I think 
we have a lot to teach them. Look, look at look at our podcast, for example. <laughs> you don't go into something unprepared and just ramble endlessly and hope that it turns out well. You know, this podcast is scripted. It's tight. It's economically done. It's not like we just turn up and make up this shit as we go along. There's a strategy at play, and I think we have a lot to teach the MCU. We in no way spent half an hour discussing the names of carry-on <laughs> films to an audience for an audience to whom we had to explain what a carry-on film was. Good audio content. This is great content. Great content. Good God. Disney Plus's slogan, (laughs) this is great content. Uh, Listen, we'll see what happens. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, who of course plays Mm. Wilson Fisk, aka the Kingpin, in Daredevil Born Again, uh, tweeted, basically saying something like, along the lines of, all the great projects I've been in have undergone some sort of... Sure, but I think that there are degrees, right? Mm. I think things get tweaked slightly in post, but when you are essentially creating your product in post-production... That is not great, right? Like it's yes. not brilliant. Yeah. Uh, you know, Fix there's something the to be said for creating art with the materials you have at hand, but there's something more to be said for making sure you have the right materials before you get into the edit room. So yeah. fix it in pre. Yes. <laughs> fix it in pre. That's the new thing. There we go. Uh, can we talk about cinema? Sure. What about it? When I say cinema, what pops into your head? <gasps> Martin Scorsese. No. Oh. James, don't say Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> If I showed you like a Rorschach painting right now. (laughs) Why are you showing me all these different pictures of Taylor Swift? I'm very confused. (laughs) (laughs) There was a tweet actually I saw, I think it was this week, when someone said something along the lines of it. Was Did you see this? It was really bold for Alan Moore to have Rorschach's face be all of those naked women. Yes. No, Uh, no, no. Was it? Two guys fucking. Two guys fucking. Okay. It was a very, very, very good tweet. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. That's Um, funnier than my version. Yeah. That's why it went viral. <laughs> That's why I'm not so good on Twitter. Uh, yes. Anyway, anyway, James, when I say cinema, <laughs> when I say cinema, you say <laughs> yes. You say yes. He says yes. I say yes. You say cinema. I say yes. You say yes in a very unexcited yeah, tone of voice. Right. All right, you're both wrong. I mean, I think I was right. I say but... cinema. You say Costner. I say cinema. You say Costner. Surely he's in yes. Yellowstone. Costner. Yeah. Why are we saying Kevin? Costner, Kevin Costner uh-huh. is saving cinema next year is okay. he? the first two parts uh-huh. of his four-part Western series oh, God. that he has, I mean, literally mortgaged himself up to the hilt for to finance Horizon, an American saga. Saga, it's about old people. It's about old people, hmm. yes. it's um, Going on holiday. That's exactly what it is. Um, so Kevin Costner is writing, directing and starring in there's four, four movies, two of which he's already made, the third of which is ready to go once the SAG after strike is resolved. And he has put pretty much every penny, all that Yellowstone cash that's come flooding his way over the mm, last few fat years. Fat stacks, like Taylor Swift. Fat stacks of Benjamins, he's flicking them out everywhere. It's on these two movies. And if you, if you know you're Kevin Costner, mm-hmm. if you know your cinema, and I can see from your blank expression you don't, <laughs> Kevin Costner directed a Western is reason to get excited. And both of these movies, uh, parts one and two, are coming out within two months of each other next summer. And um, I just hope for his sake, it's about the Civil War. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I hope for his sake that they, they hit big. Because nobody wants to see Kevin Costner working in a McDonald's. Although no, that I might be an it. interesting spin. I've never seen Yellowstone, right? I've watched the first one. I've seen some except, episodes. And I've watched all of 1883, the prequel. Is that because you thought it was a 1980? <laughs> yes, I thought it was 1989. I yes. thought it was, it was 1883 yeah. Taylor's version. Yes. Uh, 
<laughs> so I've only seen one episode of Yellowstone. And uh, it was whenever I was back in Northern Ireland for a week or so in the summer. And my niece, Alex, was like just binging it on Paramount Plus. And I came in to watch an episode in which, and I thought, I just, I just thought that Yellowstone was a nice, genteel, like kind of Dallas with horses. It's Republican type thing. succession. Well, I don't, I, I don't wish to comment on his politics, um, but because I have, I don't know enough about it. But I walked in in this episode to witness uh, lots of swearing. Yes, lots of swearing, a little bit of sex, a little mm-hmm. bit more rumpy pumpy than I was, I was used to, and quite frankly, uh, I had to leave the room. Right? Did someone's bra come off with a boing? Boing. <laughs> Carry on up the frontier. <laughs> uh, but I watched a sequence in which one character kills another character by throwing a rattlesnake in their face. There's a snake in my face. <laughs> someone poisoned the waterhole. <laughs> that is actually the plot of pretty much the first episode of Yellowstone. But, but genuinely, have you seen this episode? Of the one where I someone throws a snake in I their face. I don't want to say the characters because it'll give it away. Like it was a major character killing another major character, but, and I watched this character open a box and then just what's pick in up the a rattlesnake. Box? And the guys were like, "What are you doing?" And he throws a rattlesnake at him, and it bites him on the face. Like he throws a fucking rattlesnake at him. Uh, we've That's all fucking done it, hardcore. We? You don't see that on Last of the Summer Wine. Because, <laughs> you know, they only had like adders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, wow. Anyway, anyway, he's making films. Best making of luck. Films. Yeah, I mean, you know. And the trailer for the first one came out oh, and it, all it evolves at the moment is because it's like a big, you know, mm. Kevin Costner is here to save cinema. Well, certainly Westerns. Anyway. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and it's basically him and a horse and he turns around and he fires a gun. It's like, <laughs> fucking get in. Come on. Yes. I say cinema. You say Costner. I say cinema. You say. Scorsese. No. Fucking hell. <laughs> Shall we have a guest? Let's do it. Please, please. God. Please, God. Is it Kevin Costner? It is Kevin <laughs> Is it a rattlesnake? <laughs> he has been on the podcast, Kevin Costner. Yeah. What for? Uh, dreadful film. <laughs> Shocking film. <laughs> I don't wish to talk about it. Anyway, we have just one guest this week, but luckily, what a guest it is. It is Randall Park, hey. a.k.a. Agent Jimmy Woo uh, from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and of course, the likes of Aquaman, and of course, the sitcom Fresh Off the Boat, and many, many other wonderful things. But now he is the writer and director of Shortcomings, which is based on a graphic novel and is a very, very low-key, very well-observed, very well-acted comedy drama about an Asian-American man who is undergoing some travails in his life, shall we say. This film was playing at the London Film Festival, and actually I spoke to Randall Park uh, about the London Film Festival, and also Michael Winterbottom, the great director Michael Winterbottom, uh, about their LFF experiences and their film festival experiences, because Randall Park's never been to the LFF, and that's part of our London Film Festival special podcast, which is available right now, and also features me and some other members of the Empire team talking about the LFF as well. Anyway, Randall Park and I also spoke about shortcomings. So here we are, talking about that, about his career, and how long it has taken him uh, to grind away and, and create a career in Hollywood uh, over the years. I had a lot of fun doing this. Hope you will too. Enjoy. We are delighted to be joined on the Emperor Podcast by the director of Shortcomings, Mr. Randall Park. How are you, sir? Oh, very good. Thank you for having me, Chris. Uh, no, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. We've just done a we've just done a chat just to pull the curtain back. 
uh, we've we've just done ten minutes or so about the the, the London Film Festival uh, as well, and and during that conversation, you were you know you were talking about how Shortcomings is a is an independent movie and is a passion project, and you know these are not the sort of films that studios throw money at uh, necessarily. But can you talk me through the the journey this 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 odyssey of getting this film made? Yeah, uh, well, uh, Shortcomings is based on a graphic novel uh, yeah. that came. Back in 2007, and uh, I remember uh, reading that graphic novel back then when it came out, and just being so blown away by how real it felt. Uh, it, it, it very much reflected my life at that time, uh, and the lives of my friends, and, and the things that we were going through, the things that we were talking about, and uh, uh, the the graphic novel was very intimate in that way. And I, I just remember feeling just very uh, blown away and thinking, wow, this would make a great movie. Uh, but at the time, I was in no position to uh, <laughs> to get anything made. Uh, I was barely new to my acting journey and, and and very much struggling. So there there was no chance of anything happening with that. But uh, but the story did stay on my mind all those years. And over the years, I as I kind of slowly built a career, I, I wondered what's going on with shortcomings. I wonder, you know, if if anybody's doing anything with it. And 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 fifteen years later, uh, found out that there was a script. It was written by by Adrian Tomina, who wrote the graphic novel, and and the script was wonderful. And and uh, and uh, somehow I. I got attached as a director and 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 for my feature uh debut and uh I, there i mean there's more to the story but, I'm, but I'm it's just, uh, yeah. yeah i said i'd like to direct that and they said sure <laughs> <laughs> um i had directed some tv at that point and and had done uh some shorts and and web stuff uh uh and it felt like I, it was uh, I was looking for something to to make to do as a feature a directorial debut and and mm. this project was there and uh, uh again was something that I was very passionate about and uh, and felt very uh, uh, uh it felt like very much a a part of me because of how much it resonated with me in terms of how real it felt and how authentic it felt and so so uh, uh so that was kind of the north star for me going into it was okay let's 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 capture that same feeling i had when i read the graphic novel back in 2007 that that feeling of of, of how real it is and authentic it is in terms of attaching yourself how did you how did you go about doing that who did you have to pitch to and how did you pitch to them were you you know because this is a graphic novel already so did you have a mood board that was inspired by the graphic novel or did you have um another way in visually Graphic novel had been acquired uh, by a uh, a company called Roadside Attractions, and they were um, they were trying to figure out some you know what to do with it. There was there was talk of of maybe it, it being a TV show, uh, uh, maybe a movie. They, they, it was kind of loosely acquired, but uh, but then Adrian had written the script, this feature version of it, and. Uh, uh, they were uh meeting with with directors and creatives to 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 kind of help develop this thing and and uh uh and uh that's when uh that's when i read the script and thought oh my gosh this script is is amazing it's beautiful and uh uh just like the graphic novel and um 
And so I pitched myself to to Roadside and then to Adrian. And in, during that pitch, I had a whole uh, uh, essentially a present this presentation where I talked about how uh, uh, how familiar I was with the the actual graphic novel, how much uh, the story resonated with me, just the personal connection to it uh, on top of uh, the way in which I wanted to shoot it as a movie uh, 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 and uh, and during that pitch process they it kind of solidified the idea that okay we're going to make this movie and uh and at that point uh uh they 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 brought me on and and we adrian and i just started to develop the script further uh 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 and at this point you know we we my production company was on it along with uh, uh roadside and we 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 were just developing it to uh to in the hopes of uh, obtaining financing for it and and so for a couple of years we we worked on that script and then we uh we we seeked uh financing and we we went everywhere independent financiers uh uh we we did go to the streamers and the uh and the um searchlights of the world and and uh and eventually a a, a company called topic uh, who, who finances a lot of great independent films came on board and another company called tango uh topic and tango together they they financed the film and 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 once we obtained financing it was kind of a a, a mad dash to 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 get it made because we had uh a, a, we had a window we had a window based on my, my own schedule as an actor i had some 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 work uh that was coming and <laughs> and and uh, wanted to make the the, the sundance deadline uh so uh we we had a window and 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 uh a few months to 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 get a to get an edit in after uh production and and we it was just kind of right from there on out it was just uh uh it was just work we just put our head down and just started working hard and and uh and it, and it all came together and and uh and then we we submitted a cut to sundance and and uh not too long after found out we got in. That's amazing. Yeah. So you mentioned there that um, when you first read the graphic novel that you you kind of recognized some of the characters, you recognized some of the world. And I've read other interviews with you where you, you've said that you you knew people like Ben, who is the the lead character, who is, uh, you know, this, this really interesting character. He is um, someone who's kind of, in a sort of holier than Lao stupor, he's he's kind of sleepwalking his way through life a little bit. You know, a lot. There was a lot of discussion about Ben early on and throughout, and and to this day about uh, you know the the the, the quote unquote likability of the character or unlikability of the yeah. character, and and uh, 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 and so that was a you know something that we were very mindful of throughout. But but you know by by nature uh, from on the script in and in the graphic novel you know the character is a a bit of a uh of a misanthrope and 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 uh, highly opinionated um um very judgmental very uh <laughs> quick to anger uh um 
but uh, but to me, he was never unlikable, you know, and maybe because I saw bits of uh, myself in the character. Uh, but I also saw, uh, you know, again, like you say, a lot of friends of mine like that. He was very familiar to me. And uh, and and I knew that there were sides of, of this character that uh, I, that were relatable. And and that relatability came in the in the vulnerability of the character, the 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 the, the sadness of the character, uh, the, you know, the the things that he's experienced that that turned him into this this person. Um, but also on top of that, Ben is extremely charming. He's very funny and, and very much a loyal friend to to Alice. Uh, who, uh, um, and that's the relationship that that's kind of the central relationship throughout the film, this friendship. Yeah. Um, but, but because Ben was such a complicated character, a lot of thought went into the casting of, uh, of Ben. Well, well, who can we, who can we find that can convey all the, all the things on paper, you know, about him, but also the things going on underneath that, that vulnerability and that, um, that heartache underneath uh on top of being very charming and, and funny and, and we found justin h min who was just He's so great. remarkable yeah yeah with a, a very tough job to do but uh he just uh put so much thought and care into the character and and uh and it showed you've mentioned a couple of times at the start of your acting journey and the, you know 2007 and so while we've been talking i've been uh, looking at the IMDb, at some of the roles you were playing in and around 2007 and 2008, and you know you're in a lot of shorts, you're in a lot of TV shows, showing up for a couple of episodes here and there. Um, you know the the character names you're playing characters like ER Doctor in the Bolt the Beautiful. Do you remember that? Yes, of course. <laughs> that was a uh, that was a, a, a daytime soap opera uh one of the classics here in the states uh and uh yeah i was i was an er doctor i just spewed uh medical jargon uh for i don't know 20 seconds and then i was out <laughs> <laughs> but oh, and i think they called me back second episode uh and i was like oh my gosh they're gonna build upon my character and uh i, I came back for the next episode and it, i got 21 seconds of medical jargon and then i was out uh so that was it was quite scary for me at the time oh my god then you you were killed off in a tragic lift accident uh immediately after that but 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 you're you're playing a lot of you know there's a fbi agent credit in a which is strangely prescient uh in a short you made in 2007 you're in an episode of cold case the, the point is, right. I mean, you've you've talked about this as well in the past that that Hollywood has not been necessarily disposed towards Korean American actors, you know, Asian American actors for over the over the years. So, how did you go about building your career? I, I mean, really, it was just like one one brick at a time, you know, like uh, I just slowly slowly uh, 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 building, you know, uh, not saying no early on, just kind of of any opportunity any 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 opportunity to act yeah was it was was worth uh, for me uh because uh I, I i felt like the reps just having the reps would 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 be beneficial for me so so early on i was uh kind of doing anything and everything including student films and commercials and 
uh, I was doing theater and uh, sketch comedy and and uh, eventually making making my own videos and 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 web series and and uh, short films and and really for me it was about getting those reps in and uh, uh, and just slowly over time would would kind of level up you know from going from ER doctor to oh this character has a name you know it's just the first name but you know oh this character has a first and a last name <laughs> this you know this uh, uh, oh and uh, suddenly I you know I'm uh, recurring on a show and and uh uh before and then eventually oh i booked a pilot you know tv pilot as a regular maybe this will get picked up the series oh it didn't get picked up the series i'll try again you know just kind of slowly over time uh uh uh, uh building and 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 uh and that that that's the typical route i think for a, a a lot of actors who eventually find success it's 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 a 10 year plus process and uh um uh, and uh, you know, I'm I'm thankful for it in retrospect because it, it I, I did get to work with so many people, different people on so many different types of projects, and and I, I got to be on so many sets and uh, and and glean a lot from those sets. And I think uh, going back to the directing thing, that 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 was extremely beneficial for me to see different directing styles uh from the perspective from various perspectives uh um as an actor from you know background to being literally in the background to 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 having a few lines to to being a regular on on a show or uh um it, it was it was a great great um learning opportunity on top of you know just a, a slow career career build because you can take something from everybody, right? You can take something from a director you work with for six months, and you can take something with the directors you work with on The Bold and The Beautiful. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, I, I mean, uh, so much of so much of uh, these experiences too. I mean, they're, they're, uh, the vibe on the set, like that's something like anyone can feel immediately, and and uh, uh, and those. The, those a lot of that I, I've come to learn comes from the director, you know, the the the, the feeling on the set, the the freedom on the set uh, uh, for actors, and and uh, uh, so so yeah, just 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 all of all of those were opportunities to learn. Randall, I've got to go, um, but I, I just want to ask uh, real quick about the future for you. Now, obviously, you are director on this film. You're you're still on strike uh, as part of the SAG AFTRA strike which we hope will be resolved soon um but has that meant that you've been able to pivot and start developing something else to direct yeah yeah well well the you know the the wga strike uh uh has been uh resolved yeah. so so uh, as soon as that happened i was able to to uh, uh to start writing and, and working on, on on different projects and then in the writing capacity and and uh, uh and uh through uh, through my production company uh uh just start talking we, you know we 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 just been able to start talking about projects and 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 trying to figure out uh the next one for me you know um uh, to direct and and we, we don't have one yet but you know the the one thing i learned from this entire process is for me, I, I have to be very passionate about whatever it is I'm directing because it, it is such an all-encompassing, challenging 
uh, a job that um, uh, that passion is, is key is key. So um, so whatever it is, uh, I find it'll be something that I, I really love, just like uh, just like shortcomings was for me. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I'm glad you go. Uh, Randall Park, thanks so much indeed. Thank you, Chris. Good talking to you, man. Okay, so that was Randall Park. Shall we talk about shortcomings? Mm. Shall we start the reviews section with shortcomings? We've got quite a few films to get through this week. We do, yeah. Um, James hasn't seen the Eras tour yet, by the way. Oh, uh, none of well, us have. It hasn't really screened. Crucially, for yes. So, a, it hasn't screened for press. Uh, it's it's obviously screened as we record in the US. There was a premiere it's for it, so they've had early screenings of that. Uh, <laughs> yes, and it's a the, concert film. Was it going to be? Yeah. Oh, the plot was disappointing. Yeah, oh, no, didn't didn't like the third act twist. Uh, we're seeing it on Friday night because there are no, as I said, there are no daytime screenings of this film to the public. So we are sending our own Ian Freer, who is not a Swifty, down. He's to, a slowy. He's a slowy. He's going to sit with all the Swifties and sing along and have a good old giggle on on Friday night, and he will be filing his review, which will be up on the site on Saturday morning, where it will be five stars. Um, when are you going to see? I'm it, not going to see it. We've, we've talked about crucially, I am not going to see it. As I've said before, I'm not going to see it. I'm going to see the Eras Tour live in the flesh next year, so I'm 100% not going to spoil it by watching it in the cinema. Where are you going to see it? At the, the, at the big, like, uh, thing with the, 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 <laughs> the big uh, concert venue, stadium thing. Wembley Stadium, that's the one, sorry. I don't go out a lot. <laughs> Wembley Stadium, I'm going to Wembley Stadium in the summer, and I'm going to see it then. Hell's Bells, are you going to see... Uh, I didn't buy tickets, no. I, look, I, I like her, I'm sure she's great, but I, I didn't. It's going to be to spend hundreds of pounds. magnificent. Obviously, Helen and I are considered to be podfluencers, uh, which is uh, <laughs> Sorry, people, no. people who have a certain pool, people, people sure. who have a certain cachet Indeed. With, the, with the younger generation. So yeah. when it comes time, all Helen and I have to do is just slide into Tay-Tay's DMs <laughs> and just click our fingers and we will be having... VIP box tickets, Absolutely, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what's going to happen. So I'll see you then. The I'll see you there. Yeah, yeah. sure. That'll be great. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Who's that man being escorted away by security? <laughs> uh, genuinely, what's what's interesting about this though is so it's a it's a sub three hour concert film. Bearing in mind that the Eras tour is about three hours twenty minutes, I think in total. So they what? have they have cut a number of songs to you keep see, it under they have, three hours. They have held things back for you James they it's have not a they have so all. like the cardigan isn't on there some of the other sort of the archer isn't on there so you know so the, the quite a few tracks and didn't make this version of it but I think this is all because so when it inevitably it's not <laughs> hey uh, I think when this inevitably lands on Disney Plus wherever it ends up uh, that's when we'll get the full because this was this was recorded over three nights when it was during the LA leg of the Eras tour, uh, and I think we'll get the full version at some point. So, so Haim supporters are there, so nobody, no crime, which you played with Haim. Uh, they that isn't on the on the theatrical version of this as well, but I think it will all appear on the streaming version. So she's doing three hours twenty minutes a night. Yeah, every night. Yeah. What? That's wild. I know. Really, it's genuinely, insane. that's what she's doing. Yeah, and, she, and, and also she's got support. Crucially, uh, you are in the UK. It's Paramore, but it's been different people in different places. But crucially, like this, it's not like you know, you and I, Chris, when we used to gig out together. Like I said before, it's not. It's not gig some, out? one gig. The one gig that we gig went to. Out. Yes, we gig out because we're hip and cool and down with the kids. Uh, but oh um, you know, it's not her just playing it's like a whole production it's like a great big show with stuff happening and things so yeah he it's doesn't exciting. know what because I do because I've been on Taylor Talk on TikTok and I've seen lots and lots of there's a bit where she jumps into a pool except it's not a pool it's a trolley and goes under the stage and then comes up in a new outfit it's amazing uh, so yeah lots of stuff happening there and there's a house there's a whole cottage bit which is very exciting 
I, I, I'm so tickled by your devotion to Taylor Swift. <laughs> anyway, we were going to talk about shortcomings, weren't we? But this is the film of the week, Helen. But, it, it but you're right. You're we right. Seen it. We haven't seen it, although it is the film of the week. And we gave the Taylor Swift Era's Tour five stars. In James's five head, except then. not because he refuses to five see it. Five stars for Era's, which we'll see. <laughs> uh, wow. but, but shortcomings. Okay, so this is the story of Ben, played by Justin H. Min, who people may remember from After Yang, if you saw After Yang, yeah. which those of us who did will remember, but those everyone else won't, because nobody saw it. Oh, you gorgeous. Anyway, hmm. um, he plays Ben, who is a cinema manager in the Bay Area. His girlfriend is... Miko, who's played by Ali Mackey, is this cool film festival programmer. She's kind of getting into the art scene as well. She crucially has a trust fund, which is how they're able to live in this amazing apartment mm-hmm. in the Bay Area, because you better believe I had questions about that, which distracted me from the first half of the film. And um, and it's kind of just a, a, a sort of hangout movie. So these two are you know pretty young, sort of mid to late 20s, I guess, uh, trying to figure life out. He you know, quit college to try and become a filmmaker, swiftly realized he didn't have maybe what it takes. Please calm down, James. Please, you're not even. I need to calm film. down. I'm being too loud. It's you. You're the problem. It's you. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, so so he's kind of a bit rootless, and he, more to the point, he's really negative about everything. So there's a very fun, um, quite starry little uh, scene at the beginning of the movie, which is clearly riffing on a recent, let us say, Asian-led success hmm. at blockbuster. And um, and his reaction to that is to be as down on it as he is on everything else. And Miko is clearly getting a bit over this and having problems with this. So their relationship is a little bit on the rocks. And then it's kind of just a hangout. You know, she goes away for work for a few months. He's hanging out with his best friend, Alice, played by Sherry Cola. Um, he's kind of, you know, attracted maybe to other women and wondering maybe if he wants to do something about that while they're kind of on a break. But they were on just, a break. Exactly. But mostly it's just kind of hanging out, figuring out life, talking mm-hmm. about what's right, what's wrong. You know, it's based on a graphic novel by Adrian Tamine, who also writes the uh, the script. Apologies if I pronounce his name wrong. I don't know if it's Tamine or Tamine. But it's a really well-drawn characters, a really funny, dry, wry kind of a script. And um, and occasionally, you know, famous people will kind of pop up in interesting ways and odd things will happen. And I I had a great time. I wasn't really expecting much of this, not because I don't like Randall Park or anything like that. I just I hadn't heard a lot about it. But, um, but having read up on it since, you know, it got a good re- reception at Sundance earlier this year and, and deservedly so. It feels like that kind of classic American indie kind of hangout mm. movie, right? Odd, oddball characters just being interesting together. And Sherry Cola being fabulous, fabulous as always. As always. Uh, yeah, it's interesting because 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 men's character Ben is a total dick. Like he's just a dick. He's mm. he's an insufferable dick. And that could very easily have been a barrier. I certainly bumped on it. The first 10, 15 minutes of this, I was like, oh, I'm not going to go on with this because he's such a penis. But that's obviously the point of the film. And I think what makes that character work so well is even though he is a colossal bellend, He's so real. He's such an authentically drawn character that you immediately just <laughs> see yourself in him, perhaps. But but no, but you you see the reality in him. Like I think the authenticity of the character resonates with you. That you can see that he's a very, very flawed person with absolutely no self-awareness. And you see, and obviously he comes to more of a revelation about this as the film goes on, but his dickishness is part of the entertainment. He's, but he's just walks that dickish line. Yeah, really well. It, with only just one toe over the edge. Like it's very, very precisely done. 
And I think it works very well because uh, Sherry Coder's character, Alice, she is his best friend and she's lovely. And she knows he's a dick, but she loves him anyway. And I think to a certain extent, you try and see his character through her eyes. And that helps a lot as well. Mm. Uh, uh, Annie Mackey's character, Mika, I mean, God love her, like she has the patience of a saint. Um, but yeah, it's 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 really, really good. And the dialogue is spot on. It's sparky. There's lots of really great banter in it. It's genuinely laugh out loud funny. It's a very good Spider-Man joke. Oh my God, isn't there, isn't there just? Isn't there just? No spoilers. But no there. spoilers for who makes it, but it's very funny. Loads of good stuff. Really enjoyed this. Made me laugh a lot. And I thought it was quite touching. And again, like I say, I think it has a, it has a real sort of... Uh, if I were a wanky film critic, I'd say verisimilitude, but I would just simply say it has a realism to it, like it feels relatable and real. Yes, I agree with everything you said, which means that there's no reason for me to say anything else. So four stars then for shortcomings, uh, which is available now on digital. But I think it might also be in certain screens around the country this weekend, if you want to go and check it out. Uh, also in certain screens around the country uh, is Blackberry, which came out last week, but we hadn't seen it. Matt Johnson's Blackberry, which is the tale of James... Yes, this this is the tale of the BlackBerry device. Now, for those of you who are youthful and are going, what the hell is a BlackBerry? That's a very, very good question. So BlackBerry's cornered up pretty much half the telephony market, sort of when you get back to the early noughties, sort of late 90s. And then now, as we are in 2023, it, no one has a BlackBerry. They just aren't a thing anymore, which is genuinely incredible. And this is the story of how they rose to prominence and then ultimately what their downfall was. Jay Baruchel plays Mike, the creator of the BlackBerry, a kind of tech genius with absolutely no salesman ability whatsoever. Very nervy, kind of, uh, the, this whole thing begins when he's going in to do a presentation and it is an absolute mm. car crash. And they enlist uh, Glenn Howerton's Jim. And he is a ball-busting, alpha male, type A personality, grade A douche nozzle and he comes in but what he does is he bullies people into accepting BlackBerry to he sells BlackBerry he gets them to stop BlackBerry he pitches it to the networks and they gradually pitch this idea which at the time was revolutionary it's a phone that sends emails you can get emails on your phone and I've been at Empire long enough that I remember asking for a BlackBerry from our company to see if I, I, they said no but I wanted one because I wanted the idea I wanted to send emails on my phone and it's wild um, and this is it's got a little bit of social network in it I guess it's got a little bit of dumb money in it as well um, it sounds quite dry and I think you know like certainly if you read the Wikipedia page for Blackberry it's really really tedious but they make it a lot of fun mm. and I think the dialogue the script is really tight in this and I think it's in on the joke that a lot of the people in these tech companies are these huge, loud, obnoxious, abusive bullies. And this film is aware of that and it kind of pokes fun at that. And like it feels very much that you're on the same side, that it it knows exactly what it's saying about these people. Michael Ironside comes on later on as a kind of COO who's again yelling at people nonstop. Uh, Matt Johnson's really good as Doug, who is Mike's best friend and kind of wears a headband and he sort of pioneers movie night at the company. It's a really kind of nerdy Silicon Valley type and they all kind of mess around and they kid around in the office because they love working on this product and gradually it becomes more and more like a factory uh, literally to the point where he's forced to confront this hard-held belief he's had that all of these products should be made in the UK and he doesn't want to farm them out yes. to what did I say oh yeah uh, all these products should be made in the US and he doesn't want to farm them out to factories in China where they may not you know where it's more mass produced where they're not going to take the care that he wants to take over them um but it's a really interesting story not to mention a cautionary tale and and it's fascinating to see that something so dominant in a market like this, what happens when someone like Steve Jobs comes along and 
offers up something like the iPhone, yeah. which nowadays, given that we all have smartphones, when the iPhone launched, it was so revolutionary because it wasn't just a phone that does email. It was a phone that does the internet, that does email, that is an iPod, that does everything. Oh, and there's an app store, so you can put anything on it. Like, the very concept of that completely turned the mobile phone market on its head. And that's, I think, at the heart of this film. And it's fascinating. It's also a really interesting... I think I think it's the human drama here that's really fascinating because, you, you know, you talk about Mike's reluctance to let anything be made in China, his mm. determination on quality control and everything else. And and the the process of kind of, you know, whether he will ever give way on that becomes a sort of... It's almost like a fight for a, a, a corruption of his soul, and you do yes. see a bit the other way as well. So, so this this Jim character comes in, he's this hard charging like ball buster. Also, kind of, you know, you can feel the company culture kind of infecting him in the other direction at times a little bit. And so, it's there's a really interesting kind of moral, ethical, character based drama here. Which which I really enjoyed, and and unlike the other, somebody called them biopics this week. B U Y picks huh. all these airs and flaming hots and and uh, beanie baby beanie whatever it was and all the rest. Mm. Th- this one isn't because this isn't a triumphant story at all. It's more like the beanie baby crash one in in that respect. This isn't a story of triumph. This is a story of um, hubris, ha- hubris, and yeah. and, and short sightedness and. Um, and yeah, just just failing to see where the future was going, you know, even though these are people who are super bright and mm. super plugged in. You know? Also, to an extent, like, could anyone have? I think also yeah. it's the it's the dropping the rock in the pond, which was Steve Jobs and Apple and the iPhone, which completely turned everything on its head. Yeah. Uh, and I remember all of this playing out. Like, I remember at the time, because they, they, they cover the bit where BlackBerry's whole network goes down. And that, I remember that being a massive deal when it happened that everyone's Blackberries just stopped working for quite a period of time. It was absolutely wild. But uh, yeah, and but as Helen says, it's not just about, you know, little mm. devices and, and yeah. nerdy stuff. There's really good human drama in here. It's, uh, it's actually really fun. And again, really good script as well. Which yeah, is, uh, and yeah. great performances mm. also. I've seen Glenn Howerton, who is yeah. unrecognizable if for the fact that his face looks exactly like Glenn <laughs> Howerton. But because Jim Balsley uh, is bald... Yeah, you know, he's got this great bald cap on. Yeah. And he, you know, he's he's great, but he is still essentially playing Dennis from his always sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> but Jay Baruchel, though, Jay Baruchel's yeah. great, but, fantastic but, but performance. Jim Balsley is untethered, and his rage knows no bounds. There, there is, it is, it's not that big a leap. But I have seen people say that this could be a, a best supporting actor nominatable performance, and I, 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 I can, I can see that. Maybe. I can see that. Anyway, four stars in for Blackberry. Uh, no one's ever pronounced it like that before. Blackberry. Maybe, Blackberry. Maybe, maybe Blackberry. Where we're Do going, you. we don't need touch screens to see. Do you email? Do you email? Now she has a new keyboard. <laughs> now she has QWERTY. <laughs> four stars in for Blackberry. What's next? How about the Miracle Club? How about it? It Go needn't on, detain us for too long. It comes from director Thaddeus O'Sullivan, which is just a fantastic name. That's a Cannot great detain name. for the for the name anyway. How Irish is that name? Oh, Your man. It's pretty darn Irish. Now this is set in a small Western Irish town, Ballygar, in the nineteen sort of sixties. And town or made up town? Hmm? Like I think it's a real town. Sure. No, I think it's a real town near real Galway. Town. Yeah, Ballygar. Um, and uh, it's the story of there are these old friends, uh, Eileen Dunn, played by Kathy Bates, and Lily Fox, played by Maggie Smith, 
and their younger friend Dolly, played by Agnes O'Casey, who are planning to go on the diocesan pilgrimage to Lourdes. Gosh, it brings ah, me back. Jesus. Uh, obviously, I didn't go, but uh, I have family members who went five times on the diocesan pilgrimage to look after people. So if anybody, uh, God help you if you don't know, thank thank the Lord that you don't. Lourdes is a place of pilgrimage for Catholics and people turn up there every year hoping for cures or sort of you know, emotional religious support for whatever traumas yeah. in their lives they're going through. And yes, many dioceses in Ireland will send a busload of people once a year uh, of the sick and the elderly and and just those in need of spiritual support to go to Lourdes and take the waters, basically. The, the Virgin Mary is supposed to have appeared there 170 years ago. As anyway, part of her era's tour. Indeed. Hmm. So... Uh, Basically, these three friends uh, have won a competition. They've they've scraped together the money they need to go. Dolly, in particular, is very keen to go because her younger son isn't speaking. Uh, Eileen is worried that she has a lump and she she wants to go to Lourdes rather than going to the doctor to get it checked out. And all is well. But then uh, a friend of theirs, Mrs. Ahern, dies, and her daughter Chrissy, played by Laura Linney, who has been absent for forty years, nearly since she left as a teenager under a cloud. Uh, comes back into town and she ends up accompanying them on this trip to Lourdes. And so it's all about, you know, getting back in touch with these uh, people that she's known all her life but hasn't seen in an extraordinary length of time and what's happened since and what what was the the thing that made her go away and why hasn't she been back and blah, blah, blah. This is perfectly nice. It is very feel-good. It is part of that sort of calendar girls, you know, old people on a on a trip kind of a feel to it. Um, I will say that Kathy Bates's accent could have maybe done with not being like that. I was going to ask about the accent, so I was, Helen. Yeah. I'm very glad you brought up the accents in the film. It's pretty, like, the West of Ireland has a pretty strong, pretty thick accent. I didn't think Kathy Bates's was great. I didn't think even Maggie Smith's was perfect. Ooh, I know. I apologize. How dare you? Just behead me for treason right now. Laura Linney, of course, basically does an American one and Ugh. doesn't really bother about it. Lazy. But um, but apart from that, like it's fine. But like even a couple of days later, I'm sort of struggling to remember the details of what happened. It's like it's very nicely done. Everybody's nice. The music sounds like it's from the Great British Bake Off, if I'm honest. It's that kind of, oh, you know, light, you had my attention. cheery nonsense, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, but but it, it's just nice. It's nothing more than that. So, right. yeah. Okay. Boff. Uh, does it have... A car chase? No. Does it have a Thanos? It, it really doesn't. Like, I cannot stress to you how much it doesn't have a Thanos. Does it have a meteor that crashes and bestows... Uh, fire meteorite crystals mm-hmm. superpowers upon its characters. I mean, they don't really go that into the origins of the of the cave at Lourdes where all this went mm. down, but maybe in the grotto there are mystical crystals. I, I don't know that for sure. All right. Well, the Miracle Club may not have that, but Paw Patrol, the mighty movie, sure as shit does. What did we give the Miracle Club? Who knows? <laughs> It's a miracle. It's a miracle. Anyway, Paw Patrol, the mighty movie. I've seen this twice. I'm going to fucking talk about it. Uh, <laughs> Tell us about it, Chris. Uh, is it Rubble on the Double? Is Chase on the Case? Is Chase on the Case? Don't drop what Chase. That's a great board game that we have, by the way, where you get a... You know, basically, Chase is on the... Don't feel you need to tell us about it. One of the, <laughs> the lead puppies in Paw Patrol, a television show aimed at 
four to seven-year-olds, I would say, that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Uh, it's about a young boy named Ryder who uh, somehow has the money and the wherewithal and the means to mount a gigantic, ginormous, expensive rescue service which is dogged by talking puppies who never get older. Are the puppies revealed with a boing? They're not. They're not. Uh, Carry on up the Adventure Bay is not what this movie is. Anyway, (laughs) Don't Drop Chase is a board game. Chase is on the ice. You have to make the ice. The board game is... is, uh, it's, It's... made of uh, blue bits of plastic. I, and white I know this because I've played it at to. your house. Well, yes, and it's great. <laughs> and you have to take a little a little hammer and you have to knock out yes. the pieces of ice. Please stop. And then if yes, please, if please gives stop. Away, Chase will die. Yeah. And it's about it's a it's about tr- I know it's a game where you try to kill Chase. I'm very aware of how it works. Four kids. Yeah. Which ends with the hero dying of hypothermia. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, tell us about Paw the Patrol film. Mighty movie is the second Paw Patrol movie, uh, and in this. An asteroid, a meteor, is drawn to Adventure City by the evil bad guy voiced by Taraji P. Henson. And uh, and it has a crystals in it, uh, which when the puppies of Paw Patrol use them, it gives them powers. Uh, so Sky, who is the main puppy in this one, which has caused some controversy amongst the, the Chase-loving faction. I have to say Chase Good was Lord. the hero of the last Paw Patrol movie but this time it's Sky please anyway, I'm begging Sky for death is, she's got the ability to fly she's got super strength and so but it's all about how Sky is worried because she is the smallest puppy in the Paw Patrol and she's worried that she's too small and she's not going to be good enough to do her job but don't worry uh, she gets killed very early on no, uh, no, no don't worry she is absolutely more than good enough to do her job anyway so they have to then fight the, they have to get these powers and then fight the bad guy who's a mad scientist who claims she's not a mad scientist but she teams up with the evil mayor of the city uh, who also Why? wants to have the crystals for himself and his army of cats this film uh, I've seen it twice now I, I know I'm going to see it at least one more time because I insist on bringing a little drink of game to it because I fucking loved it no it's fine it's fine It's the production values are way better than Paw Patrol it's a nice tight 145 minutes long. No, it's 90 minutes long. The kids are going to love it. First time I saw it, there was a whole group of kids and at the end, when a certain thing happened, a certain moment of heroism, uh, they all burst into applause. And I was like, yeah, you should have been there when fucking Steve Rogers was beyond near you. Yeah, baby. Kids, famously good judges of... uh I know this is, the, this is why Super Mario Brothers is the second biggest film of the year, right? Because, you know, my, ah, Super Mario Brothers, primary colors, nah, like, oh, get fucking taste. Costner. Costner. Swift. Swift, Costner, <laughs> together at last. <laughs> Release the bumhole cut. Anyway, it's fun for the kids. It's passable for the adults. It has this weird thing that a lot of American movies do where they revoice a lot of the characters in British. So <laughs> In oh. British, in that British. famous language. So the, the kid, and I think it's a kid, and I don't want to disparage uh, or besmirch a, a child actor in any way, shape or form, but the kid who voices Ryder is the worst actor <laughs> in the history of the world. You know, you know the Once More With Feeling was a, a saying designed for this kid. Oh, there's a meteor over there. We should go and investigate it. It's as good as it gets. I fucking do another take, shall you? Well, but, maybe maybe we blame the director then for not, you know, getting not sure them to the, the place. Because, because, yeah, blame the, blame the, the British director. But uh, the Paw Patrol are all revoiced in British. But a lot of the American big name cameos are kept intact. So Kristen Bell is in at the beginning. <sighs> Kim Kardashian's in at the beginning. They're kept intact. The one who's not kept intact is a news reporter 
character who in the American version is voiced by Lil Rel Howery and is a major, major character. And in this version is voiced by Sir Trevor MacDonald. And it is not a character who is 80-something years old and is just one of the worst. Bit. Like, I love Trevor MacDonald. He's amazing. He's a legend. Mm. Uh, we worship, we bow, we genuflect in your general direction, sir. But come on, come on. It's a, character, it's a 30-something character and he's got an 80-something-year-old man going, yes, that's right, that's go with it, kids. And it's like, fuck, uh, no. Are, are we still talking about the Paw Patrol music? <laughs> because no, it's, it's been at least a week it's now. And oh, I've got him, I'm going to get him on board. There's a Taylor Swift in it. No, there isn't. No, there isn't. <laughs> three stars, like a, a generous three stars for adults, but for kids, a million stars! Oh, God. Yeah, uh, okay, well... There's a reason we don't have kids doing our reviews, really, isn't there? I think we have come to the natural end of this podcast. I think we did in about minute two. And I don't just mean this episode. I think probably the end of the podcast. Join us next week for more film-related fun when we'll be joined by... Well, you know, the new Scorsese film's out next week. Woo-woo! Killers of the Flower Moon. Yes, I'm off to see it in a few short hours. So naturally, we're going to be joined on the Empire podcast by... Errol Morris, director of the John Le Carré documentary, The Pigeon Tunnel. But that's not all. Uh-huh. You didn't think we were going to let you down on the week that the new Martin Scorsese film comes out, did you? Cinema. Garth Davis, director of Foe, will also be on the Empire podcast. But anyway, hey, hey, listen. If Martin Scorsese listens to this podcast, and if I know one thing for sure, is that Martin Scorsese listens to this <laughs> podcast, and you have 20 spare minutes over the next week or so, then just slide into my DMs. We, we don't have to talk about Marvel. I know he likes to bring it up in every interview. Wow. He's obsessed. But we don't have to talk about the MCU. We don't have to name every Stanley cameo Marty. It's totally fine. Then come on the podcast. This is it. I'm reduced to begging. I'm reduced to fucking begging. Martin Scorsese to come on the podcast. Maybe he'll come on and do one of the spoiler specials for like... Loki. For the Wheel of Time. <laughs> yeah, for the Wheel of Time. Which is actually, Helen and I recorded I a know, Wheel of Time spoiler special for I'm, Pilot Plus. Thank I'm you, Chris. Being, I'm being benevolent. You did, you were benevolent. Yeah, you teed that up. It may have been the nerdiest thing that's ever happened. It may well have been. We, yeah. were, we were joined by um, the fancy author, C.L. Clark. And Helen's brother, and Nepo Baby brother. Column. Yeah. Look, nobody knows what? more about Wheel of Time than my brother. I'm not kidding. Brandon the Sanderson. O'Hara's are multiplying on this Had podcast. Had taken time away from his busy schedule of milking the cows and <laughs> doing whatever it is they hey. do in the, in the field next door? He lives he, in England, apart from anything else. Oh, they don't have cows in England, Helen? I've seen English cows. They're all wearing cardigans. <laughs> Cardigan, a Taylor Swift song Taylor that does Swift not Swift. make there we go. the eras line up in uh, the theatrical version, I'm sorry to say. Oh, my God. Please tell us we're done and let us go. <laughs> I'm going to keep you here. Please don't talk about You can never anymore. leave. You can't leave. She won't let you leave because it's three hours and 20 minutes of pulsating <laughs> Tyler Swift goodness. <laughs> oh. Anyway, until we meet again, until that auspicious occasion, until then, it is goodbye for my two colleagues of such lethal cunning. James Dyer, goodbye. Goodbye. Helen O'Hara, goodbye. God help me. And it's goodbye for me. I'm off to work my new screenplay. Carry on up the Empire Podcast subreddit. Taylor's version. <laughs> Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye. I wish there was a fucking 10 minute version of this podcast. I swear <laughs> to Christ. Bye. Bye.